Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here, riding solo today. We're going to zip through this pod pretty quickly here, uh, but I've got a bunch of interesting things I want to talk about. Of course, Mike Budenholzer is going to be on the agenda tonight. I saw an interesting tweet that I want to touch on. We're also going to talk about uh, the starting lineup. We'll talk a little bit about PJ Tucker in there as well. And then, of course, uh, we are going to get you guys set for Bucks and Hornets, the road to the playoffs continues before we dive into that i do want to say that today's episode is brought to you by the locker room app download the app and join me this week to get in on the action locker room changing the way we talk about sports i'm still tinkering with the timing of when we do those locker room uh, podcasts because they're a hell of a lot of fun i just want to get more of you guys in there and i've got good news i believe it's been on ios devices but i believe it's coming to Android, so uh, hold your horses there if you have an Android device. But uh, I'll tell you more, a little bit more about Locker Room right now as we continue to roll through. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Bucks podcast throughout Locker Room conversations. Go download the free Locker Room app now. Currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Kane Pittman to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks. See you there, locker room changing the way we talk about sports. So this tweet that I saw that I found pretty fascinating was from our friend and someone that's been on the podcast before and the Bucks beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Jim. And this is what the tweet said. It said, I'm entering my fifth month on the Bucks beat. The level of dot, dot, dot frustration with the head coach on this service is quite a thing to witness. And that's saying something because I walked into 13 years of Marvin Lewis with the Bengals and Mike McCarthy with the Packers, who, uh, you know, I certainly lived through that in Wisconsin as well. The frustration, should we say, with Mike McCarthy. And I, I just thought it was a really interesting tweet. And as you would expect, <laughs> there was a range of uh, reactions to that tweet that Jim put out there but I certainly understand it because I think for the most part if you weren't exactly locked into the Milwaukee Bucks and what's happened over the last couple of years and the way the team has played I think you would be genuinely shocked to see the I I don't want to say everyone I never want to put the whole blanket over the whole fan base but I would say a high percentage of the fan base and the vitriol that's directed towards Mike Budenholzer particularly when you look at the history of the franchise and what this team has been able to do literally since he walked in the door. 
And I think coaching is always such a fascinating thing to analyze. And you'll never hear me, you'll hear me talk about things that are really obvious when it might be uh, the rotation or we'll certainly bounce ideas off each other, Frank and myself and Justin, whoever else is on the podcast. But you'll never hear me really straight up talk like I know better than an NBA coach. And the reason for that is that I can never sit here in this position and try and pretend or act like I know more than Mike Budenholz about the game of basketball. And I think that that's the thing that I always struggle with when I see the reaction on Twitter. Because a lot of the times, in my very small knowledge of the game, I see a lot of stuff out there that just is not true. It's just not true. And I always go back to what everyone wanted at the end of last season, including me, including Frank, when we all sat there and we still sit here and we've sat here this season and said, look, if the Bucks fail in the postseason and you can, well, I, I don't know what failure is to you, if it's the first round, maybe it's the second round, but if the Bucks flame out in this year's postseasons, depending on how it goes down, I think that there's a significant chance there's going to be big change. I also sit there and say that given the way that things went last year, and the decision you had in the offseason with Giannis that it made sense to keep Bud around. I thought that was 100% the right move given where the franchise was at. I did not want to mess with Giannis's decision-making and push through to this year with him being a free agent. That would have been an absolute disaster for the team, for the city. So I thought they did the right thing. They signed Giannis. They've extended Drew Holiday. I love the roster. I love what they're doing with it. But more than anything... I love what the Bucks have done during the regular season. And there was an interesting article that came out from Kevin O'Connor over at the Ringer today. And it really just highlighted some of the specific numbers that we've been talking about all season long that, again, when I, when I see a lot of the reaction on Twitter, particularly in relation to the defense, the percentage of, of tweets or comments that, well, it's the same old Bucks. They never adjust. They never do this. Bud sucks. Bud's the worst coach. He's terrible. And it's like, well, if you're watching and you know what you're watching, then you know that you're lying because the Bucks have done significantly different things on the defensive end compared to what they've done in the past. And the criticism of Bud in recent years, in previous years, of being too rigid and not flexible enough, absolutely warranted. But again... I think you have to get to a point where you have to give him some credit for what they've done this year. So let me read out some of these numbers for you here. Uh, one of the most easily recognizable changes that the Bucks have made defensively is that they are switching a lot more than they did last year. In fact, I think they were literally the last team for switch uh, frequency or the amount of times they switched on defense last year. Uh, funny that we're playing Charlotte in the next game here. Because we've always said the joke that the only time the Bucks switched was against the Hornets, particularly when Kemba Walker used to absolutely torch them. They'd be down 15 in the third or fourth quarter, and then Bud would say, all right, shit, we better start switching. We're going to try and do something different here. Uh, it was always kind of a, a funny situation. But here we go. First 20 games this season, the Bucks switched on 10% of defensive assignments, and they allowed 1.02 points per chance allowed. So 10%, 1.02. The middle 20 games of the season, that 10% jumped up to 18%, and they dropped from 1.02 points per chance to 0.96. And now in the last 20 games, that 18% has jumped to 24%, and they are allowing just 0.92 points per chance on those switches. Now, all this makes sense. First of all, the Bucks came into this season this year, we know, with the addition of Drew Holiday, and you have to ask yourself, okay, I know what Drew Holiday wants to do. Um, you know, I'm in a fortunate position to get the chance to ask him a question from time to time. 
And he said right from the word go that he wanted to be switching on defense. That's what he's used to doing. That's what makes sense to him in the modern game. He was very vocal about it. Bud was very open to the idea that this was something that they need to do. But I think we all understood or needed to understand that you weren't going to be able to bring all these new guys into a roster and say, all right, we're all switching. Every possession now, I know you guys don't really even know each other. I know we haven't practiced too much, but we're going to this. So the Bucks needed to take some time. So they gradually integrated it in. We've seen some terrible breakdowns all season long. We've seen miscommunications. This is very normal. This happens right across the league. This isn't just Milwaukee, but I think what these numbers tell you is the more that these guys have done that, the more comfortable they've been, the better they've got at communicating, and the more success that they've had. And this is a very, very nice trend uh, to be going this way heading into the postseason because when you do play offenses that are generally across the board going to be better, maybe Philadelphia is the only outside example there as a, as a team that's really a middle-of-the-pack offense, but you're going to be playing some pretty dynamic teams. You're going to have to be able to switch. And let's just throw it out there that if the Bucks by chance, got the Boston Celtics sorry, in the first round of the playoffs, we've already seen that in a matchup going back a few weeks ago, what P.J. Tucker can do because they do play a lot of isolation ball, but they'll set a high screen and then get a guy into isolation and try and seek out that mismatch there with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker as well. So having the ability to switch on those screens, force them into difficult shots, that's going to bring you some success against a team like the Boston Celtics, who again, uh, the Bucs, if the season ended right now, would, would get in the first round, I believe. So this is just one example of when... <laughs> If when I see that the, the constant vitriol towards Bud and this and that and that, and it's probably why to me it's a, it's it might be confusing to Jim just saying, well, I, I, why do these fans hate this guy so much? The team's winning a lot. They're very openly treating the regular season differently. It's been confusing to me as someone that's been around for a lot longer because a lot of the things that we wanted from Mike Budenholzer, he's absolutely done. That doesn't guarantee you a championship. I've said it before, if I had to put money on the Bucks winning the title this year or, or not winning, then yeah, I mean, championships are hard to get. I'd be leaning towards the Bucks not winning the title this year. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I think all the blame goes on Bud or if they swap the coach, then they would have a, a better chance at winning the title because I, I, I always think about this. Who's the top coaches in the NBA? Like Greg Popovich, obviously. Eric Spolstra, I think, is right up there. I know people want to put Nick Nurse up there, but you know I think we've discussed on the show before that I think Nick Nurse is the almost the perfect example of how a series of events and yes, some seriously good luck can lead you to this elevated uh, status, I guess, from the from the fans that ah, he must be an absolute elite coach. He's done a he's done an absolutely ridiculously good job against the Bucks over the years. There's no doubt about that. So I think he's definitely upper echelon. It's just, again, this is just so hard to judge coaches with the NBA. But if you ask me, Bud is definitely in the top half of the league. I mean, this guy has won a shitload of games in the NBA. And uh, uh, like I said, the criticism, criticisms of him in the past have been absolutely valid, I think. But also criticizing a guy because he wasn't able to beat LeBron James in the playoffs in Atlanta with a team that didn't have a top 20 player, I think is, is kind of like, well, what are we doing here? I mean, what was he supposed to do with that roster? He wasn't going to beat LeBron James. This Bucks team, we'll see this year. This is the litmus test. There's no doubt about that. I think he deserved another chance. I think he's brought this franchise a serious amount of success that I got to be quite honest, as someone that has watched this team for 20 years, I didn't think ever was going to happen. And not only that, that success 
you say what you want, but the success that this team has had the last two years and the position that they are in right now, despite the fact they haven't won a title, that was a major, major, major factor in Giannis wanting to stay here. And so when I see, again, this stuff on Twitter that, oh, you know, the, the, the fire bud campaign, I've got to be honest, and people can feel however they want. I never tell people how to feel or tell them that they're wrong. Like you can, you can feel the, the way you want to feel. But when I personally see those Twitter avatars with the fire bud, it's cringeworthy because I was sitting through the Jason Kidd era and that guy was awful. He was a bad coach. He wasn't a good fit. The players didn't like him. The team wasn't going anywhere. And that was just a completely different situation. We've got a guy now that has had the team to two straight. The last year would have been on pace for 60-win seasons, something that they haven't done for over 30, 40 years. I mean, it's just a completely different situation. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that I think that, you know, however this ends, we'll see. Hopefully it ends in a title. But I would like to think that regardless of what happens, this is an era that as a fan and as, as people that if you have sat through what this team has done for the last two decades... Um, like I have, then, you, you know, you have to get to a point where you appreciate what we've been able to watch and the enjoyment we've had. And, and again, I think it's just another indicator of, of what titles mean in the grand scheme of things this year. And uh, for me personally, it doesn't stop me enjoying the success that this team has had through the regular season because it's been one hell of a ride and, and I, I enjoy it. And I know that's a little bit different to some fans. And again, I'm not telling people how to feel, but I just think that judging coaching is such a difficult thing to do as a fan and determining who's a good coach and, and who's not a bad coach and what is the coach's fault and what's the player's fault. It's just so difficult. And I do think that that tweet from Jim was, was, it was just interesting to me because I, I think it would be shocking for someone coming into this team that's heading into the playoffs with, with a real chance and uh, there seems to be no support behind the coach. And sometimes... You know, you always think the grass is greener on the other side there. And uh, I, I personally have a little bit of concern for what would happen if the Bucks went down the path of bringing in another coach. There's no doubt about that, but that's just me. Again, as always, you guys know, if you disagree with me, let me know on Twitter at Kane Pittman. You'll see me tweet out uh, this show or email us at Locked on Bucks. And if you really disagree, then it just means that you need to join me on the next Locker Room podcast and tell me I am a complete idiot. Uh, I want to talk about... <laughs> lineups here in uh, just a little bit. But before I get to that, I'm going to talk about rockauto.com, which is the family business that's been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. Uh, we know the best thing about rockauto.com is that it's just really easy. It's really easy. If there's any parts that you need, if there's any problems that you have with your car, it's super easy to get it sorted by going on the online catalog at rockauto.com and you can find the parts, the specifications, anything that you need, uh, the brands, and also, most importantly, the prices that you prefer on rockauto.com. So it's super easy. If you need anything, uh, they can get it for you and deliver it directly to your door, which still, in the times we're living in, is a pretty nice service there. So just write locked on in the how did you hear about us box and they will know you. Uh, they will know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And then we want to talk about betonline.ag. Uh, baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. I feel like that comes around 
so quickly every year. But you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in on the game as the teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I saw the old debate propping up again uh, over the weekend, and that was regarding the starting lineup. And look, I, I think it's, it's fair to say right now that Dante DiVincenzo probably is not in his best patch of form. I, I think that that's reasonable to say. He hasn't been shooting the ball so well. It does feel that the defensive breakdowns have been a little more frequent than they have been at stages through the season. And I think overall, he's been, he's been pretty good. Like he, He's had a pretty good season for what the Bucs are really expecting from him. But we are starting to see that consistency wane a little bit there. I mean, he's still getting you double digits per night, still shooting 37%, uh, 37.8% from three. But it is really interesting to me to look at Dante. And he's had such a unique path through the first three years of his career. If you think back to uh, his rookie season, obviously he only played 20-odd games when he had that heel bursitis injury. In his second season, uh, he was in pretty good form, actually. And, he, and if you remember that game against the Lakers at Staples Center before the season went down, he was terrific. I think he had 13 points in the third quarter. But then the season ended, and he was interrupted again. So what he's actually going through right now is for the first time he's entering that regular season grind heading into the postseason, he simply hasn't had to do that. And I don't think that it should be underestimated, particularly when you look at the nature of the schedule this season, the way that the NBA has played out, the amount of games that these guys have been playing. And you guys are probably sick of me bringing that up, to be honest. But I just think it's a huge factor. When you look around the league, look at the nightly results that you see in tonight. We saw Utah lose to Minnesota for the second time in a row. This is the number one team in the entire league. And all of a sudden, they're losing games as well. It's just an absolute shit show from night to night trying to predict what's going to happen in the league. But as far as the starters go, I don't think that I would be mixing it up yet. I don't think I would be. And a lot of that comes down to the options you have. Now, I see a lot of people saying that I would bring in Bryn Forbes. Personally, if I was going to bring someone into the starting lineup off the bench, it would probably be Pat Connaughton. And Bryn Forbes has been a terrific shooter, but I think we've seen time and time again that defensively, particularly when you're coming up against some of these teams, and and again, think about a potential Boston matchup. If you've got Kemba Walker at the point guard position, you've got uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart's going to be there, Evan Fournier as well. Really dynamic offensive players. I don't really want Brent Forbes out there in the starting lineup because overall the numbers for the starters this season have been pretty good um, as far as the advanced numbers go. They aren't as historically dominant as they were last year, but they're still really good. So I'm probably not going towards Bryn Forbes, regardless of the fact that, yeah, he's a, he's, you, you trust him more as a shooter, for sure. I mean, uh, I'm not going to try and deny that. But Pat Connaughton might be the guy that I would go to just for that added size. Again, a little bit erratic defensively, but he shot the ball really well and become really consistently reliable with the way that he shoots the ball. He's a terrific rebounder. He gets you offensive rebounds. So I, I wouldn't be moving the starting lineup. 
But if I was going to, that would be a path that I would go down. <coughs> One other interesting name that I'm at least curious about is PJ Tucker. Now, we've spent the bulk of our time talking about PJ, discussing the fact that I think in, in a lot of matchups outside of probably Philadelphia with Joel Embiid, PJ Tucker is going to be your closer. And Bud probably hasn't gone to it as quickly as we all would have liked. I think that's fair to say. We would have liked to see in, in certain matchups, PJ Tucker inserted a little earlier there with Giannis at the five. But I do like that lineup of Drew, Pat, Chris, Giannis, PJ, and you lay out the positioning however you want. But would there ever be an instance where you would play Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, and Drew Holiday? So I went to cleaning the glass just to have a look at, and they split up the positioning year by year. And yeah, PJ Tucker this year, out of his 985 minutes uh, in Houston and Milwaukee, uh, he has really spent... Well, he spent 3% of his minutes in Milwaukee at the two-guard spot, but in Houston, he didn't do that at all. We know he was predominantly a four and a five, and that really has been the case his whole time in Houston. You have to go all the way back to his time with the Phoenix Suns. So in the 15-16 season, 6% of his minutes came at the two spot, and then in 14-15, 17% of his minutes came at the two spot. But if you are in a position where you're switching one through five anyway, or even if you had Brook Lopez out there, it is an interesting look and a pretty terrifying one defensively. I, I think the big thing that stands out to me is that I don't think that you're expecting a lot offensively out of Dante DiVincenzo. We know he's a little bit of a wild card. He might be able to get you 15 to 20 points on one night. And that's probably the main reason why I'm leaving him out there because I think he has got that game in him. And the chances of you getting 15 points from PJ Tucker feel absolutely zero unless they just leave him camped out in the corner all night long. But I do think during stretches in a particular matchup, it wouldn't completely shock me if that was one of those playoff lineups. And we see it every year where a team goes to a random lineup they've never used before to start a pivotal game. It wouldn't absolutely shock me if we saw PJ Tucker start a playoff game this year. I think that he's the wild card. And whether it was the Bucks going small, despite the fact that Brook has started every single game since he's been here, if it was, if it was PJ coming in for Brook, maybe. If it was PJ coming into Dante, I don't know. I'm just saying, if I had to make one sort of hot take, wild prediction for the playoffs this year, it's that PJ Tucker might at least start a game. Just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. Let me know what you think, because I do think when we have that conversation, it's always simply Dante or Bryn Forbes. I think there's other options there. And like I said, I'd probably be leaning towards Pat. But PJ is certainly interesting with his versatility defensively and what he can bring. So Bucks and Hornets coming up next as I look to wrap up this podcast here. Uh, Buck's still on the road. So look, again, I mean, we keep talking about it, but it's a difficult stretch they're going through. 6 p.m. Central Time tip. So don't miss out on that one. It is a little bit earlier. As far as the injury report goes for Charlotte, no Lamello Ball, no Gordon Haywood, and no Buck Killer, Malik Monk. He's out of this one as well. So the Bucks catch a break there as they look to pick up a win. But as we've discussed, it does feel... That it's a little bit useless when it comes to the standings unless the Bucs are going to go on an absolute tear. They're still two and a half games behind the Sixers and three and a half games behind the Brooklyn Nets. But anyway, we'll be back 
after that game for a post-game pod. A couple of things that just piqued my interest today. I thought I'd come on here and chat to you guys with it. Like I said, let me know exactly what you think about it. And don't get me wrong. I didn't come on this pod today trying to convince anyone that they should like Mike Budenholzer. That, 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 I'm not that silly. Just an alternative view. That's all it is. There's no doubt about it. If the Bucks don't do well this year, change could be coming. And perhaps from what I see on Twitter, a lot of you would be happy with that. But I'm going to wrap it up there. And like I said, we'll be back post-game for Bucks Hornets tomorrow, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Stay safe. Catch you guys then. 